0: Well, hello, good morning, welcome everyone. Uh, my name's James, and I am part of the team here at the Vineyard. I am engaged to the wonderful and most beautiful Hannah McConnell that was leading us in worship. And uh, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she uh, is soon not to be Miss Hannah McConnell because we are getting married on New Year's Eve. Come on. So we are so excited. And um, we have just went seal agreed on a house, so life is uh, pretty good, I have to say. And uh, when I'm when I'm up here, I'm normally playing a guitar, I'm normally singing, and I had contemplated singing my sermon to you guys this morning, but I figured that maybe wouldn't have landed as well. Well, are you guys glad you're here this morning? Yeah. Come on, let's try that again. Are you guys glad you're here this morning? Yeah much better. Well, we are a community where lives are quite literally changing and transforming all the time. We're a community, as Laura has already said, that we don't have a vision for a church, but we have a dream for our city, that the life of Jesus would come to every person and to every part. And as much as we are passionate about seeing this come about, we want to realize and recognize that as a community, we are growing like mad at the minute. And for some of you, you're maybe struggling to keep up with knowing everyone, but for some of you this morning, you're maybe struggling to even connect with anyone. And I don't know how long you've been coming here for, whether this is your first time this morning, whether this is your 10th time, but I'm pretty sure wherever you fall in there, that as you've been coming along, you've maybe enjoyed the worship, you've maybe encountered God, but one thing that you have struggled with is connecting With somebody beyond the circle of friends that you're coming with. And we realize and recognize this, and we have some exciting news for you guys this morning, and that is that tribes are coming back. Come on! All right. Sign up has gone live as of this morning. We have loads of new tribes in different places and locations. And we have new leaders, which we're super excited about. And you can go online as of this morning and sign up to the tribe nearest to you. In fact, actually last night we went live with tribes online, sneakily. So we didn't have to do it this morning. And we already have two people signed up from last night. So some of you guys are super I can see as well some of you are looking at me being like, James, what the heck are tribes? Well, I'm glad you asked the question. Um, Tribes are uh, the way that we stay small as we grow big. They take us from sitting in rows on a Sunday to sitting in circles. Circles of people meeting all across our city, trying to figure out with one another how to follow Jesus better. And how do we bring the life of Jesus to every person and part of our city? Sound exciting? Well, we're going to begin a conversation this morning, in fact, a new series called We Are. This is going to be over the course of the next three weeks, and we're going to be looking at the heart behind why we do tribes and some of the values that they express. So today we're going to kick off with part one, which is called We Are Worshippers. And for many of us this morning, as soon as I said that, you'll have begun to switch off Something along the lines of maybe a conversation going on in your head. Well, James, worship's just not for me. Worship, you know, I don't even sing. I can't even sing in tune. I can't play an instrument. I don't like the style of music. And uh, although some of these may be true or feel true, I want us to go on a journey this morning to look at what is worship and why do we worship worship. So as I was trying to figure this out this week, I went to my most reliable resource, which is, who said the Bible? Google, all right? And uh, I'm just kidding. We hold the scriptures authoritative in our life, just before you kind of think we're a crazy bunch of people. Um, But I want to show you guys what I found this week with my research, okay? So why don't you guys fix your eyes on the screen, I'm going to show you some of the stuff i found.
1: each church and it has its own worship style you know which is cool some people are more expressive in worship some people more subtle and it's all good um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship it's um it's a hand raising church that's what it is right that's what you know anybody here go to a hand raising church right here sweet who here does not go to a hand raising church <laughs> <laughs> some of you are trying you're like I can't I want to, Tim, I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow. Hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's, my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar you and go out there, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, grace. Next one's, hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one. Dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalposts throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa Mufasa. That's my favorite. The circle of light. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. All
0: right. All right. So uh, what we're going to do now is the worship banner are going to come, and we're going to work through these one at a time, okay? <laughs> Screw the light bulbs. Ah, oh, so good. Anyway, let me pray before we jump in this morning. Why don't you go ahead and close your eyes. Father God, we thank you that you're here today, and God, we thank you for the gift of worship. God, we thank you um, that we get to do that freely today, and God, I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our ears, God, to what you have to say to us today, Lord. And we thank you for everything that you're doing in our community, God. And we're so excited for the more that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's talk about worship. Worship is so broad a topic, and it has so many different meanings in the original Old Testament language, which is Hebrew, and it has so many definitions in the New Testament original language, which is Greek. And you can literally spend the rest of your life studying worship which is kind of good for me because i'm expecting to do this kind of thing for the next few while so at least i'm not going to be running out of any material but before i go any further i want to ask you guys this question in fact why don't you ask yourself this question why do we worship why do we worship it's always helpful to know the why behind what you're doing right so Anytime I have the wonderful privilege of looking after um, Andy and Dana's kids or my soon-to-be brother and sister-in-law's kids, Bruce and Stella. For those of you who know Stella, she is the cutest little girl in the world, but cuteness can be deceiving. and uh, we, uh, It's kind of a scary thought for parents to leave their children in my care, which I can totally see why. But um, one of the things that I experience when I'm looking after kids is when I ask them to do something, they always respond with the question, why? So if it's with Bruce or Stella, I'll be like, Stella, stop strangling the dog. And she would be like, why Uncle Jamesy? I'm like, well, you just don't need to do that, okay? Or if it's August and Moses, I'll be like, August, stop kicking your brother. (laughs) And he'll turn to me and say, but why Uncle Jamesy? And uh, it's kind of every kid's natural response to ask why. Well, let's have a look at why we worship. The definition of worship that we're going to use today is kind of our foundation this morning is this. Worship is when we give worth to something. It's when we place value upon something in our lives. And the fact of the matter is that we actually all worship. A better question to ask this morning is, what are you worshiping today? Some of us worship our money. Some of us worship our material things, whether that's our phones or our cars. And some of us even worship ourselves. I know that's hard to believe. Stop looking at your neighbor, that's not nice, but it is true. James Smith in his book, You Are What You Love, which I couldn't recommend more to you guys if you are readers in the room today. He says this, we can't not worship because we can't not love something as ultimate. So we all worship, but why does God invite us to come and worship him? Is it because he's insecure and he needs our affection to silence his insecurities that when we come into these environments and we sing the songs, you are good, good, oh, God's on the receiving end being like, oh yes, I am good. I've totally forgot. (laughs) I don't know. That's the second time I've done that in an English accent. I don't know why I did that. Um, So I really don't think that's why we worship and I hope that you don't think the same. But let's have a look at what Jesus says in the book of John. John chapter 4, verse 23, don't worry about uh, turning there, says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Notice here how the text doesn't say God is looking for worship, but that He is looking for worshippers. Why is this? Let me tell you why. Because every thought and decision that God has ever had, every ambition, and plan has been 100% motivated by love. And what does love do? Love always chooses the best. So think about this. If God wants the best for you, why would he choose for you to be a worshiper? Because you always become the thing that you worship. You always become what you worship. There's nothing he could want more for me and for you to become more like him. There's no other plan or thought that he had for us than that we would become molded more into the image of his son, Jesus. So with that in mind, he decided to create me and you as a worshiper because you always become that which you worship. All right, how are we all doing? Good? So yeah, so worship is placing value upon something... And why do we worship? Because it was God's design and He was motivated 100% by love that we would step into relationship with Him and worship Him because we always become the thing that we worship, and He couldn't want anything more than for us to become molded into the image of His Son, Jesus. Well, as I said at the start of today, worship really is a big and broad topic. To look at, and it would be impossible for me to cover everything in the time that we have left today. So I've decided for us to focus in on something that I really do feel like I heard from God um, about this week for us as a community, as we move into this new chapter and season and months ahead. Um, I feel like this is a word that the Lord gave me for us as a whole community as we move into a new term of tribes. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to the book of Romans? Chapter 12, verse 1, um, which is page, who can find it first? 75? 78. 70 um, I was like, yeah, Romans is in the Old Testament. All right. 785 Okay, let's read this together. Um, just before we do, this scripture is is one of the few in the New Testament that mentions the word Worship. So let's have a look. If you have a Bible, it says this, Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul in this text is speaking to the Romans. And if he was here today, he would be jumping on the stage and he'd be grabbing one of these microphones and he'd be saying, Hey, Lagan Valley Vineyard, in view of God's mercy, let's offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And in the Greek language, which was what the New Testament was originally written in, that word "worship" in English means to buy. So what Paul is saying here because God is so good, um, He wants to urge us all to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, because it is our true and proper worship. And like I said, that word "worship" means to buy. Now think about buying. It could have been any other word, but buying is significant. When you bow, you put yourself in a position of submission. Anyone watch um, those TV programs that are on that are about crazy kind of police chases? Anybody watch that? No, it's kind of like late night, terrible TV. And for some of you, that may be Love Island, and we will pray for you at the end of the service. But um, for those of you who haven't seen those kind of crazy uh, police chase um, programs that are on TV, Basically what happens is there's normally somebody that breaks into a car, they drive off, and they're doing all crazy stunts. They're driving through fences, they're driving up the wrong way of the road, they're usually under the influence of some sort of drugs or alcohol, and normally you see like a helicopter kind of camera um, point of view, and you see all these police kind of steering the car, and eventually they they corner the, the driver. The driver will eventually get out of their car They will be put to their knees and sometimes to their face to submit to the police. And this is kind of what Paul is trying to urge us to do, to bow down before the Lord willingly, submitting to him. Okay, let's have a a look at another verse in the New Testament to back this up. James chapter 4, verse 8 Some of us will know this. Don't worry about turning there. Um, It's a scripture that some of us may know. It says this, draw near to God and God will... All right, two of us know. Great, fantastic. I love this scripture, but how many times have you walked into a gathered environment like this where you come with the expectation and motivation that you want to draw near to God. So you begin to sing the songs and you're really trying to lean in and you're trying to draw near to God and you're singing the songs and... And it just doesn't feel like God's drawing near to you at all. So you continue to sing and you're trying to draw near to God. And then you kind of take a glance around the room and you look at the person next to you. And they're in a ball of snot and tears. And at that point you begin to ask the question, God, what is going on? Are we singing the same song? Are we in the same room? God, can you hear me? What is going on? Now it's very, very possible that the person beside you could just be emotional every day of the week. That is very possible. There are those kinds of people. Don't be looking at your neighbor. That's not very nice. Um, But it is also very possible that this person could be living a fully surrendered life. Let's have a look at the verse before James chapter four, verse eight. Verse seven says this. Submit yourselves, submit yourselves Then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God then, and he will come near to you. So we can see here in verse 7, it all starts and begins with submission. Just like Paul was saying in Romans. From both of these verses, it could be said that real and true worship that God is seeking is worship that starts with surrender and submission at its core. If you don't remember anything else from the talk this morning, please remember this, that worship and surrender are inseparable. Worship and surrender are inseparable. When we surrender our lives, we set ourselves up to encounter God. So to finish today, I want us to look at one more text in the scriptures that is going to help us hopefully ground this idea that worship and surrender are inseparable. So the story is found in the Old Testament. If you want to go ahead and move there, it's Genesis chapter 22. And as you're kind of scrolling through your Bibles to find that, Before we look at it, I want to give you a bit of backstory to this. Um, Another reason why I want to use this scripture this morning is it's the first time that we see the word worship. And this is so important for us to pay attention to. Because when trying to read and understand the Bible, there's something called the law of first mention. Which means that the first time a word is mentioned, it's significant, and it sets the common denominator from which every other conversation in the Bible about that topic is based upon, um, upon the first time that it is mentioned. So it's important that we pay attention to this this morning. So, so to land this morning, I want to tell you about a guy called Abraham. And for many of you, you will know that father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, You guys are, some of you guys are ready to jump up and go for it. eh? Anyway, so Abraham was a man of faith. He was one of the patriarchs of our faith. And there's so many blessings that we live in and walk in today because of the life that he lived and the faith that he had. He was the kind of guy that, that God would ask him to te- he would tell him to go somewhere, and Abraham straight away would say, Where and how far? He's the kind of guy that God would ask to jump, and he would say, How hi, high? He was just one of those kind of guys that took God at his word every single time. Abraham's life was so, so significant. And over the course of his life, God spoke to him the same promise over his life, time and time again. And the first time he said this, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, which is kind of a big word, right? And for Abraham, this would have caused questions, I'm sure, because at that point in Abraham's life, he didn't have any children. Therefore, he couldn't be a father. So I'm sure the first time he received that word, he was wondering, God, is this, metaphorical? Is this literal? If this is literal, how many children am I going to be the father of? Am I going to have to buy a bigger house? And so on and so on. Well, anyway, several years have passed since the first time Abraham had received the word. And God appeared to him again, once again, with the same word and said, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. And I'm sure the second time now Abraham heard it, maybe brought some sort of confirmation, he would have been thinking, okay, there's something in this. This is the second time the Lord's appeared and give me the word. I must pay attention. The only thing is, like I've said, God showed up again and again, time and time again, to give him the same word over and over again. And I'm sure for Abraham, he got pretty frustrated at some point because his wife, Sarah, was barren. And I'm sure for her, she would have just been like, God, how about one child? Let's start with one. Can you give me just one child? But God came to Abraham when he was 99. And when Sarah was 89, and he said this, this time next year, you will have a a son, and his name will be Isaac, which means son of laughter. To which Sarah began to laugh, And uh, the reason that was because she was way beyond the child-bearing age. But if we fast forward a year later, Abraham is 100 and his wife Sarah is 90, and they finally get their promised son, Isaac. So they finally get their son, and they're joyful, and they're excited, and they're over the moon, and they're celebrating that they finally got their son. And maybe for you guys this morning to try and kind of relate to the story, there's maybe been something in your life that you've been waiting for for a long time. Maybe that's finding the person that you wanted to marry and you finally meet them and you begin that journey. I'm in the middle of that right now and I have to say it is so, so exciting. Maybe for some of you this morning, that's a job that you really, really wanted and you've been waiting and waiting for ages and for ages and you finally get the job and you know what that feeling feels feels like, where you're completely excited, you're over the moon, you're overjoyed, and you celebrate. Well, whatever that feeling is for you, whenever you've experienced something like that, that's kind of what Abraham was experiencing, kind of what he was experiencing, because Abraham and Sarah finally got their son, but they had to wait 80 years before they seen the fulfillment of that promise. But then one day in Genesis chapter 22, God said this. Hey, Abraham, do you know that son I give you? Well, I want you to do something. I want you to get some wood. I want you to get some fire. I want you to saddle up the donkey. I want you to get your servants. And I want you to get your boy. And I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And when you arrive there, I want you to build an altar. And once you've built your altar, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, this wasn't a figurative thing. God was literally asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, in this moment, God didn't ask Abraham to go and ask his son, and Abraham's straightaway response was, yeah, great, okay, let's go do this. No, no, not at all. There would have been some struggle, I imagine. It definitely wasn't a normal day for Abraham. And then in verse 3 we see, it says this, Abraham got up to sacrifice his son early that morning. And as I was kind of studying this text this week, many theologians agree that Abraham didn't wake up, he got up. And the reason he got up was because he didn't sleep the night before. He would have been turning and tossing, asking questions, wrestling with God, being, asking the question, God, is this really what you're asking me to do? God, I've waited for years and years and now you've fulfilled the pro- promise that you've given to me and now you're asking me to give it away. God, surely this can't be true. But Abraham realized that God had never let him down before and he wasn't going to start. So he took him at his word and he set off. So like I said, he got up early, he got his wood together and he got his boy and they took off. And he told his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. And I think that this is such a powerful statement for two reasons. Um, But again, like the first service, I think I only have time for one. (laughs) Here's the first reason, and I'll see if I have time for the second. This right here is the first time the word worship had appeared in the Bible, Genesis chapter 22. So the law of first mention, which we've already talked about, tells us that because that this is the first time the word is mentioned, it is really significant and it sets the tone for every other time that we talk about worship. And this word could have been sing. It could have been shout. It could have been play, play instruments. It could have been a whole heap of things. But the word was to bow. Sounds kind of like Romans 12, right? It is our true and proper worship to bow whenever Paul was talking in Romans. So what is uh, Abraham saying here? He was saying to the servants, you guys stay here I'm going to take my promise that has been fulfilled, the thing that God has given me, and I'm going to go and buy it before God. In other words, I'm going to go and surrender it to God. You see, folks, worship and surrender are inseparable. Abraham shows us what a fully surrendered worshiper looks like. So in verse 9, we see Abraham and Isaac go to the place that God told them to go to. And they climb the mountain and they build the altar. And theologians believe at this time that that Abraham would have been at the age of 130 and Isaac would have been at the age of 30. So Abraham was beyond the age and ability and wouldn't have had the capacity to actually lift um, Isaac on the elder. so Isaac would have gone on himself and Isaac as he lay there Moses or Moses we're in a different book Abraham <laughs> I was just checking if you guys are still with me <laughs> Abraham lifted his knife and began to proceed and he heard a loud voice from heaven shouting his name Abraham Abraham do not kill your son for now I know that you truly love the Lord Or we could say this another way. Now I know you are truly surrendered to me. For me and you today, we follow in this pattern that worship and surrender are inseparable and we can't afford to ignore the powerful aspects of worship that were demonstrated by that day with Abraham. Because like Abraham, if we're going to live a life of worship, we need to live a life that is fully surrendered. So if this is true, for all of us there's gonna become there's going to come that moment when we reach the mountain, we have to travel up, and we're gonna to have to build an altar, and we'll have to put that thing that is getting in the way between us and God at that point. God never asks us to surrender in order to diminish our lives, he only asks us to come and surrender everything that we have so that he can give us the more that he has for us. So let's have a look at what happened to Abraham on the other side of surrender, okay? Genesis 22:15 says this. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities, of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. So here we see Abraham experiencing the fulfillment of that word that God spoke over his life years and years ago over many and many a time. And uh, as we look at this, we see the time and the place that it happened. And for Abraham, it was on the other side of his demonstration of a fully surrendered life. So let me suggest this to all of you this morning, that for Abraham and for all of us today, our best days are on the other side of surrender. Worship and surrender are inseparable, and that's why we're gonna worship now. So guys, why don't you come on up, um, Hannah and Roy. And, you know, as we worship The reason we've looked at this morning, we worship God because he wants us to be formed more into the image of his son, Jesus. And in order for us to do that in the context of worship, we know we have some things that we need to surrender today. So why don't you guys go ahead and stand for me? And if you feel comfortable, why don't you go ahead and close your eyes? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. If this is your first time at church today, please don't be nervous or afraid. Um, the Holy Spirit is our best friend, we believe, and he never impresses himself upon us. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now? I invite you to come. You know for some of us this morning, um, in order for us to step into this new chapter and season of community, you see, in the chapter of tribes. We have some stuff we need to surrender. You know, for some of us, it's maybe our comfort. For some of us, it's maybe our convenient lifestyle. For some of us, we maybe need to say sorry to some people. For some of us, we maybe need to forgive some people. And whatever that thing is, I believe right now the Holy Spirit's gonna highlight it. You know, as we step into worship, Right now, you know, some of us maybe just aren't quite ready to surrender that thing, and that's okay. But for some of us this morning, we know that we don't want to circle around the bottom of the mountain this morning, that we want to travel up, and we want to build an altar this morning, and we want to put that thing on and surrender it to God. We want to buy it before God. So we're going to worship, we're going to sing a song called I Surrender All. And and as we do this, um, some of you may feel like you want to physically bow, and that is totally um, cool. We would encourage you to do that if that's what you feel like your response is this morning. For some of us, though, we just need to um, surrender that thing to God, and that's okay to do that in whatever way you choose and please. So God, would you come right now? Father, we thank you for the gift of worship. That you give it to us, Lord, motivated by love. That we could step into your relationship with you, becoming more like you in the process. And God, I pray that you would help us right now, bow the things before you. Surrender the things before you in worship that we need to, God, to continue on this path and story that you have for us, Lord. Jesus, we left our song to you today.